Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Inman, and I'm joined by co-host of the podcast and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. Hey, Sarah, what, what, what day of quarantine are you on? right now you know i my i'm over my two weeks now You're so over two okay. weeks yeah. would have been uh this past friday and so but i'm still being told not to come into the office for just <laughs> so to be safe it didn't change anything <laughs> no things still haven't gotten much better yeah, well, and so I, I, you reached your goal yeah <laughs> i told natalie i was coming in she goes nope you're not allowed like, there you go so wait a minute so, okay but it's funny i feel like i'm just been busier being at home i was just telling um austin we have austin max Heimer on the podcast with us today and um i was telling him before we started i feel like it's actually kind of harder to like shut off work because you can just come in and work on something like oh i'll just work on this and then like two hours later you're like oh i probably should have taken a break so (laughs) it's very easy to do that so um yeah um but yeah we have austin max Heimer on with us today what's going on austin and uh, we are recording this Oh, I'm glad that you're here. Um, <laughs> we're recording this virtually, uh, trying some new software out. Pretty excited about that. Um, actually, I just wanted to throw out a shout out to our friends um, from Unsettled Collective. They have a podcast called Perspectives Unsettled, and uh, they told me to try out the software, and we're giving it a shot. So we'll see how it goes. But anyway, um, Austin, first of all, I want to know in general a little bit about what your life's been like during coronavirus, COVID-19, um, for your family, for your job. Um, Austin's part of the staff at Community One. And um, what what do you guys, I don't know, what's life been look, looking like for you right now? Yeah, I'm going to start off with uh, actually not myself, but my wife, Chandra. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is living her best life now. So uh, <laughs> for introverts, uh, this is a great time. And she's a family woman, you know, so a lot extended time with the kids. And so it is just interesting how everyone is uniquely responding to this moment. But I am more of an extrovert. And so this has been very difficult for me. I like to go and do and meet people and be involved in things. And so it has been a steep learning curve to kind of curtail that and try to learn how to rest and be home and enjoy uh, moments with with family and things like that. So it's definitely been an adjustment, uh, but we've tried to do some uh, outside stuff as well. Like we went to Turkey Run yesterday and we went to Lincoln State Park, just enjoy creation and nature and, and uh, do some things that we maybe wouldn't be able to do in other moments. So uh, yeah, it's a lot of reading, uh, a lot of uh, work, which we'll talk more about later with uh, kind of meeting needs in this moment of crisis and um, still trying to just stay uh, purposeful while at the same time um, relax and enjoy uh, this moment, even in the midst of kind of the tragedy and, and crisis that's going on. Are you still doing doctorate stuff? I am. I got new a uh, good news on that uh, regard. I got my dissertation approved uh, April sixth, which was today. Uh, wow. Yeah, today. Technically, it was yesterday. Congratulations! They, yeah, thank you very much. So I just yeah, way to, to go. Defend, yeah, yeah, very exciting. I have to defend it still uh, in in kind of mid May, and then that's the final hurdle. So, but this kind of approval was a big deal. So, still kind of excited about that. But yeah, just had some time on my hands to finish that up, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> you would think all around the country, there's degrees being. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that because I was pursuing one. I, I kind of slipped off it a little bit, but I thought, wow, now I should be able to yeah. get some things done. You know, yeah. I saw um, 
Purdue Global, which is Purdue University has like their online campus. They're offering like eight free classes that you can take right now during this time. I'm sure other universities are doing that too, but I was like, that's really smart. You know, like they could be uh, some simple classes or something you've always wanted to do and take some time to do that. So kind of interesting that that's available. Yeah. And speaking of universities, like, uh, and just learning and kind of one of the questions that you kind of preloaded me with here on, on culture shifting <laughs> and jumping the gun a little bit, but one of my good friends is an economics professor out at USI. And he told me that he thinks kind of this, uh, crisis has, has, uh, kind of fast forwarded the, the conversation about virtual learning about 10 years. <laughs> so oh, wow. I know they're all processing that and figuring out what their new reality is going to be in light of kind of what they're learning in real time right now. Well, it's, I, and I think there's no question it's done that for the church. You think about well, 90% yeah. of all churches have been shoved onto the internet. And I think, like you said, introverts versus extroverts, introverts could get used to this and may make it just their new reality. I mean, yeah. uh, a few people dabbled, but now that people have had to live in it, I think there's going to be an effect of not everybody's going to go back to yeah. the normal. Some people are going to be having their nose pressed against the glass ready to go back. But <laughs> I think others, others are just going to say, Hey, that worked for me really well. And they're going to stay. So yeah. we're all dealing with a whole new, re the post COVID reality is going to be really fascinating. Yeah. I think, I think too. And like we, even when we've talked about doing things as a church, you know, at one life church, like, like some things you're worried about is teaching people how to do it, you know? And, people are kind of forced to now. And so people are really going to be comfortable with it. So when you're talking about classes and even church, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're pushing forward because people are going to know how because they had to learn, which is really kind of interesting. Yeah, everybody's going to crash course, that's for sure. Yeah, right. yeah. I um, I saw my dad week, on a so... Zoom call last week. That's, I never no. thought that would happen. Oh, no. <laughs> Was he talking to other like trappers <laughs> or something? <laughs> no, <laughs> just family, amazing. but yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we wanted to have Austin on one to um, kind of just have perspective and hang out with him because he's our friend. But then um, from Austin's passion uh, is is really um, engaging communities and with Community One where he works now. And they've been um, connecting with the community and finding new ways to connect neighbors with neighbors in need. And that's really cool. And so I just wanted to hear in general, Austin, like either from Community One perspective or even just something that... Um, I know, you've been able to see or been a part of, you know, what's, how can we continue to support neighbors during a time of social distancing? Yeah. The, the first thing of note is that in moments of crisis, things kind of get, go to the polar extremes, you know, you see like things are magnified. And so, so people that were already um, kind of suffering from whatever it may be, chronic illness, poverty, um, lack of resources, uh, they're, uh, being pushed to the extreme set of needs. And so the, there's this uh, term called uh, Alice, which is not people that are in extreme poverty, but people that are kind of living paycheck to paycheck, uh, employed people. Um, and for whatever reason, um, they they are, you know, one kind of paycheck away from disaster uh, and, and entering into poverty. Well, we're in that reality, right? So you see these things kind of moving into extreme uh, cases of needs. So needs are really, really prevalent right now in our community. And, uh, and they're only going to rise as uh, jobs begin to continue to be eliminated and, and resources mm -hmm. in homes continue to thin out. And so we just wanted to be kind of proactive and set up a, a, a response uh, specifically for um, 
Christians and followers of Jesus to uh, do what we've kind of uh, always been called to do, which is love our neighbors. <laughs> so uh, in, in times of crisis, you know, you see that need rise and kind of, but you also, we, we, what we've also seen is this amazing response uh, by, by people in general, but definitely in the faith community uh, of people stepping up, of wanting to volunteer, of wanting to meet the needs of their neighbors at a financial and, and human kind of resourcing sacrificial mindset. And so we tried to, and I say we, when I say we there, I mean Community One and Four Evansville and a lot of, and some of the other nonprofits that helped build this thing. Uh, but it's just a uh, platform, online platform called Need a Neighbor. Uh, and the idea is very simple where anyone from the community who has a need uh, can post that. And then anyone through their local church can sign up to become a volunteer and they can adopt a project and then go meet that need. So it's, it's a really simple kind of concept, and it's uh, been well-received by local churches in the faith community. And as of this moment, there has been 103 three completed projects where someone, just an everyday citizen and disciple of Jesus, has uh, stepped out to uh, love a neighbor and meet a need in our community during this uh, kind of moment. That's incredible. I love that. I love 103, and you guys have only had the website up just over a week now, right? Yeah, not even a full week. Yeah, I mean, technically it went live last Friday, but we didn't really roll that out until this Monday. So, or or last Monday. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> nobody, nobody does. Nobody else does either. So you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> don't sweat that. Yes, it's been. What I meant to say was, it's been exactly one week uh, since we rolled it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so yeah, just just a great response, and we're really on the early end of that too, of people even knowing that it exists, both on the need side and the volunteer side. So great first week. Well, what I love about Community One is they were poised to do it uh, because I'd even had suggestions given me. Someone I know from out of town was thinking about this concept in their mind of that's what's needed in communities. But what I love is that Community One was really already set. The table was already set. It was just a matter of pivoting just a little bit uh, to respond. And so our community, I believe, is probably way ahead of a lot of communities around the country, not that that's the goal, but uh, but we we have it in place and it's already up and running that fast. And that a lot of credit goes to Community One because it was already in your wheelhouse. It was already uh, something that was um, you, you were just very well prepared to do. And uh, I love the fact that it got up and running so quickly. So uh, hats off to you guys, really, truly. Yeah, yeah, it goes all the way back to uh, Eric's original Eric, my boss Eric Cummings, uh, Community One. He's the founder, and it went all the way back to his founding desire. And there's like a larger principle there too of, of when you're operating out of your kind of mission, uh, out of your you know the heartbeat of why you exist, uh, you're able to pivot a lot quicker. And so the the original uh, kind of impetus behind community one was just that simple idea of helping the people of God join with the mission of God. And so, yeah, we had a home repair platform that was already operating where anyone from the local church could go through a basic coaching training, learn how to use the platform, and then could go uh, do a project on a home repair of someone uh, in, in the community. And so, yeah, that pla- that kind of base function was already there out of the desire to see uh, the people of God uh, really step into missional work in our community. And so it was just kind of an easy pivot to uh, make it more of a crisis response uh, platform instead of a home repair platform. But yeah, it was there and ready to go. And 
you know, like you said, kudos to him and, and all the people who make our organization happen to, to be able to make that change quickly. Yeah, and very user-friendly, and I would encourage anybody to go and, and, and try it. It is a great opportunity because everybody that I talk to wants to do something, and I love. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and they want to be involved with something. They didn't know it existed, and it was a very mm -hmm. easy thing to say. It doesn't have to be theoretical. You can go to this website. You can look up a need, and you can literally be taking care of it within the next hour. Uh, it's just great. Yeah, and there's there's something uh, I really would encourage anyone to just do at least one because I know that there's still some. I understand people have uh, fears, and you definitely want to uh, uh, you know observe the social distancing rules as you do these projects for sure. But there, I, I've been able to uh, do five of them over the last week, and it's just really neat experience to. Uh, take a bag of groceries to someone who uh, a 73 year old woman who is dis, dis, uh, has disabilities and can't get out of her house and really was at a loss of hope and didn't know, you know, and then we were able to meet with her and pray with her. And, and, and she was just, you know, tears of joy and bless, you know, saying, God bless you over and over again. And, you know, there's just a, you really feel not only connected to your neighbor in that moment, you feel so connected uh, to God and to Jesus and, and as a motivation of your faith, faith, like you're stepping into the ministry of Christ to, to kind of meet these needs. It's really a powerful experience. And it being like, uh, if you go to the website is needaneighbor.org, um, you can go there. And um, as Austin said as well, if, if you are someone who say, I can help um, for One Life, you can go to onelifechurch.org slash update. Um, and on that page, you can get to the need a, neighbor, need a Neighbor page and also an application to fill out to be someone um, who can support neighbors. And um, we've had a few people ask, you know, hey, what's the password? We actually have to need people to, to fill out kind of an application to go through a process because you're giving out some personal information. We want to make sure that we're um, you know, sensitive to that. But I just love that, you know, on the homepage it says, in challenging times, a loving neighbor can make all the difference. Let's find one for you. And I was thinking, like, as you're talking about that, Austin, I mean, being able to walk in and give someone something that they need, you know, whether it's groceries or um, financial assistance, or even I was just scrolling through some of them here and some people are just asking for prayer. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I I've had just friends, people I know, you know, checking in like, Hey, how are you doing? But someone showing up who you don't know and bringing you something that's incredible. Like that's the, really the city coming together and, and the community, um, you know, bonding together over a really tough time. And that's unique. We don't get to see that very often or as often as, as we'd hope, I think. So, um, that's incredible. Yeah. In the context of all this, and that's something we all need to be sensitive to is, uh, and the question we were asking, the question, is it going to go on? I'll have you answer that here in a minute. But um, but right now, the time is ripe to these things can be done. And you do get that sense of it's very open. Everybody wants to do something. Everybody's sensitized to it. So don't miss the opportunity, really. Uh, get, get on it right away because you can really see a lot of great things like that experience you were talking about, Austin. Of, and, and think about that. Someone was sitting there literally not knowing what to do. And it was simple as you going over there and literally changing their life. And uh, we're just in that season with all the bad that's going on. The good part of it, it's very rich soil uh, to see these kinds of things happen. So what are kind of what are next steps that you guys are thinking towards or even even the post COVID world, but even kind of immediately, are you going to grow it or what, what's going to happen next? Yeah, next is we we expect it uh, for, to, from what we're hearing, you know, trying to stay attuned to the 
to the conversations uh, nationally and everywhere, we, we do expect a, a spike in, in cases and needs here uh, locally, especially um, as people, financial realities really begin to land as bills become due and, and things like that. And so we're absolutely uh, wanting to expand, expand the platform. We're actually working on some things behind the scenes with a, a a uh, collaborative group of nonprofits, uh, including some that a lot of one lifers would be familiar with like dream center and, and uh, that are on the ground in neighborhoods where people are living, especially uh, disinvested and under-resourced neighborhoods and neighbors that uh, have, you know, economic realities that need help. Um, we're trying to do things that solve simple problems for volunteers so they can stay engaged in the work. And here's, I'll give an example of what I mean by that. So uh, last week I, I um, w- did a couple projects and there were grocery and, and personal hygiene needs. And so I went and just used kind of our own family finances uh, to, to meet that need of a neighbor, which was a joy to do. I, I don't say that, you know, to toot my own horn or talk about that, but but the reality is I just can't do that too long. <laughs> like right. you can only spend your own uh, money for so long on, on neighbors before you, you know, that, that doesn't become an option. And so we're working with uh, a collaborative effort called feed, uh, feed Evansville. That's working in this crisis moment mm-hmm. as well to potentially uh, get churches or nonprofit organizations or this COVID fund that's been in relief fund for the city to get boxes of groceries and food hubs in neighborhoods where you may, as a need a neighbor volunteer, who's willing to do delivery to a shut in or to someone who's scared to go out or someone who can't uh, get to, to the food hubs. Um, you can go pick up a box of food uh, that would cost like 40 bucks, but a church has already sponsored that or the COVID fund has already sponsored that. And so you could just be a, a delivery mechanism for that so that you can continue to contribute to love your neighbor um, but you, uh, you know, you're not putting yourself in bankruptcy, <laughs> meeting all these right. needs. And so we're just working on things like that on the back end uh, to try to to keep your everyday person engaged long term in this uh, relief effort. That's great. And I mean, even so thinking about it going forward, you know, and, and you guys had mentioned this and maybe you mentioned this before we, we, we started recording this. But I mean, this is something that could really happen anywhere i mean it, it's happening here in our community but i mean any i'm sure there's multiple communities coming together trying to do similar things but need a neighbor i mean it relates anywhere yeah it relates anywhere it could be transferred to any community and and there's hope that we could kind of de- develop something that could kind of just be picked up and placed into any community that could be transferred to any community especially during a moment of of crisis because uh, mm-hmm. Our friend uh, Ross Chapman at Four Evansville kind of has said this and been echoing it like a crisis moment uh, deserves and, and you should expect a crisis response, you know, that mm-hmm. so that we can talk maybe in a little bit about kind of development and what um, looks what what world look what life looks like after relief. But right now, everyone just needs relief and that and we think that that'll probably continue for the next two to three months where we're just in kind of the relief crisis response mode. And so we just want to continue to make that easier and better for people. But it is interesting that we've had such a wonderful response from local church community. We've had over 40 volunteers, over 10 local churches, um, over a hundred projects done in a week of people using this platform uh, to kind of love their neighbors. And so we're just thinking about in the future, what would it look like for us 
to operate a, an ongoing platform that has these kind of next level needs uh, of our neighbors where Christians can easily find uh, people like this lady that I went and, and met her need as a shut in. Uh, what would that look like? Not in a, in a crisis moment, but just as an everyday operating procedure for, for the, for the, for Christians in our community mm -hmm. to have an easy way to engage their neighbors uh, that they may not know and want to be more kind of evangel evangelistic in that respect, in that respect of, of entering lives of neighbors they don't know and, and helping them out. And we're hoping yeah, to do that. We hope yeah. Well, that's a great conversation to have, and I don't know how deep you are into it. Uh, what are some of the challenges to it as you think it through? I don't know how deep you guys have gone to it, but uh, as you think about kind of the long term, uh, what are some of the hurdles in your way on that? Or Yeah, um, well, this is going to sound, these, these hurdles will probably sound overly negative. I don't mean them to, but <laughs> there's been, there's been three, three kind really of noted. Yeah, yeah. Three kind of negatives to that uh, kind of put out there. One is that because, as you mentioned, Brett, in this moment, people are like heightened response, you know, like they want to help. There's something that happens in, in a crisis moment where people's kind of internal mechanisms just start firing of where they, they want to help. And so uh, without that kind of crisis uh, moment, will there still be enough momentum and um, mm -hmm. energy and sustainable engagement with the platform. Uh, we think so. We think, uh, the motivation of, of our faith in Christ should, should keep that going, but that's just something that's been thrown out there. Um, the other two are a little more complex. I think, um, the, the second one being the potential for abuse, uh, of people maybe not actually needing things, uh, but, or continuing to abuse or use the system to, to meet needs that they they shouldn't or or could um, you know uh, fix on their own <laughs> or or you know need right. to keep doing that um, and there could be simple ways around that like you know once you've posted three times or something I, there's there's other options uh, around that but then the third one is um, the idea of development so so there's some great resources that have been popularized over the last decade for the local church books like toxic charity, which, you know, one lifers should be fairly familiar with and another book called when helping hurts. And it's this idea that Christians sometimes mo motivated by their faith and, and trying to do good in the world uh, sometimes uh, create and contribute to cycles of dependency. Um, it's not always good to meet someone's need, especially if it's in a, in a cyclical way or a, a repetitive way, uh, because our ultimate goal is to see people restored, holistically restored, not just to continue to meet needs of people. And so that's, that's been a, you know, something that's been raised as a pushback uh, for it. But um, the basic idea of finding an easier way for an on-ramp, a platform for people to engage neighbors and to love their neighbors uh, is something we definitely want to carry forward, and we'll we'll be working on uh, what answering the questions of what that looks like. And the, it seems like, like even as you say that, you know, I was thinking, you know, as this started happening, I know our staff, and I'm sure your staff, and many other um, churches and organizations came together, like, okay, what can we do to help people right now? And um, you guys have created a space for that. I think people are asking, what can we do? And sometimes 
you know, you, you just send out a, a Facebook post, Hey, does anyone need help? And you might get 35 people responding. How do you you know manage that? And you've mm-hmm. created that. And I think that's, what's really neat about it is, in, and you said that so many churches have, have jumped on board, I think because they want to, you know, they want something, you know, but if it's, it's, it's hard to manage. I mean, from the, you know, I, I manage our website. I'm thinking about, man, trying to create something like that. My brain can't even process it. So being able to create a, a space for that is, is really great. Yeah. And it really has to be uh, something that's decentralized if it's going to be effective, you know, the, like the, the disruptive idea of platforms, uh, just as a place or a space where uh, a desire that something that wants to happen is connected with people and resources that, that have it. Like the famous example is, is automobiles and, and Uber, you know, people needed rides and people had cars. And so you build a yeah. platform where those interactions happen in a decentralized way. Uh, that's what we're hoping uh, we can continue to create moving forward is something that doesn't have to be managed because one of the other things that we're learning during this time is that uh you know i talked about the how moments of crisis kind of magnify things well one of the things that's being magnified is that a lot of our existing systems and institutions were kind of uh broken (laughs) and and uh this only is making it uh making those kind of broken and broken pieces and gaps uh more obvious and and i'll just give you one example of what i mean by that from the human services side so um we we have all these food pantries in in neighborhoods right but they are built on the assumption that people can come to and access the food pantries so what happens when that system or or is broken and when it's disruptive you still need to feed people the the goal the mission is is for people to have access to food not necessarily uh, for them to be able to come to your food bank right and so um what happens when they can't come there and and so you're flipping the whole that human service on its head because that's no longer effective people cannot come to the food bank food banks don't have volunteers showing up anymore because mm-hmm. they're scared to serve and and work next to people and neighbors are are scared to come to their to the food pantries or they don't know where they exist and so this idea that they this program of people coming to you is broken and uh it it, it so now how do we operate in the new reality how do we get how do we fulfill our mission in different ways? And so we're working on all that stuff too. So it's it's a very interesting time. <laughs> it really it sounds like you're going to be really, really busy. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're on the job though, that's taking care of all those problems and questions. It, it's yeah. been fascinating. I, I'll say I got to give a shout out again to uh, Ross Chapman and the Four Evansville uh, kind of movement that's happened because He's convening a lot of conversations, and and that's a, a really important thing. Is he's built a lot of goodwill between nonprofits and the business sector and local churches, and he's been able to kind of do, do cross uh, sector conversations. So, like every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, he uh, has collected a group of organizations who, who he calls the Ground Game, and it's people that are on the ground trying to meet the needs of neighbors and be active in neighborhoods where people have needs and so every monday wednesday and friday at 10 o'clock we are problem solving and talking about learning in real time all the things that we're learning every second and so with the idea of creating interventions that will help organizations and communities and the city kind of operate better and uh, meet these needs and fix these broken systems and or at least 
you know, could put a bandaid on them in this crisis moment. So it's, it's been a blast in a lot of ways. Of course, uh, the horrors of the moment I don't mean to minimize them in any way. Sure. Sure. Well, yeah. I, I wondered, because as you were saying that I thought, okay, we've discovered that there's a broken system that are the, but do the people within the system know it's broken? And because sometimes systems will just keep doing what they've been doing and not acknowledging that. But it does sound like you're having conversations recognizing that we can't do this going forward. We're going to have to change. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things about, you know, coming out of this moment, which we all hope, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel and all that. that but we hope coming out of this that there's some real positives, you know, like, uh, God will use this moment for good, uh, for his glory. And, and, and I think some of the things that we're seeing is this kind of real, I mean, real unity and collaboration, not those words are always there and people always kind of throw them in and out there in conversation and, and grant applications. <laughs> but I mean, it's a different, it's a different thing when it's real. And I, and I've seen this kind of unity and collaboration where people have set aside their, their kind of you know, logos and, and, and organizational affiliations, and they're really coming together. And it's really a beautiful thing in a lot of ways. And so I, I think what happens in these moments, what I hope will happen moving forward is that we'll really see a, an explosion of creativity and innovation and, and these kind of broken systems will be set aside and, or at least we'll go to work solving uh, problems in a new way. And so, and I'm sure you've seen that uh, in the church community too, Brett. I mean, I, I, some of the conversations I've been a part of have been really, really encouraging in that regard. Yeah, it, it, it is. I'm so encouraged because I mentioned Community One a while ago that the table was already set. And that's true across our community because many of the things that have been going on for the last several years, there has been a lot of talk of unity and there's been relationships built. Uh, I compare it to, I remember hearing the story in New York that right before 9-11, there was a lot of things that had gotten done and churches were getting together and that moment happened. And so it was an automatic. And I think we've experienced that here in Evansville. I mean, it was uh, that in the tri-state there was, uh, when this has happened, we didn't have to start building unity there. It just kind of put the, it plugged in the power to the wall, uh, really is what, what it feels like. And so I'm very encouraged by that. And yeah, that's happening in the church world because it was already there. We were able to fall into the conversations easily because we we all knew each other and had been praying together and and uh, it was a lot easier to get to instead of introducing ourselves to one another once a crisis came mm. well the the website again is needaneighbor.org um, if you have any needs or know someone who does um, you can check out that website and we'd ask anyone to check it out and if you um, can help if you can volunteer or you want to support a neighbor um, you can go to onelifechurch.org slash update um, and on there, there's a button that says, I can help. And you can fill out a simple application and we'll get back with you and get you connected to somebody. Um, and we have take a few minutes here towards the end of, of the podcast here. We are going in this week. Uh, the Sunday will be Easter Sunday. And so it feels right to be able to talk about that a little bit and talk about, you know, even as we're talking, um, you know, about services and, and all the things that we're trying to do as a community, there's really cool things going on. I mean, it, I really was thinking, I mean, more than ever, this idea of, you know, we think about death to life with Jesus. It feels different right now to think about us feeling um, kind of dark and, and stuck in certain places and, and coming into life. You know, there's a lot of hope in that. Um, either one of you, I don't know, just thinking about coming into Easter at this time, does it mean anything different than it normally would? Well, I think the the message of hope 
is in a lot of ways uh, unique uh, to the to the Christian uh, to the gospel to the good news of Jesus and, mm. and the resurrection and uh, and and that it's it's not just not just a a you know Easter. good religious yeah. system or or laws to follow or morality like there there's this existential kind of transcendent hope that goes above and beyond our, our current situation that we can always point to. And so much more so in moments that are so dark. And, and so I think, I think I'm I'm very excited for the Easter message to be shared and the gospel to be proclaimed throughout our country. Um, I I hope more people are, are attuned to it. The, the, the book N.T. Wright, you know, Surprised by Hope, he, he did a very dense, which Brett's mentioned several times, very dense historical work, like 800 pages on the, the historical reliability of, and facts of, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he wrote a book that is much smaller called Surprised by Hope, because as he was doing kind of the, you know, historical reality of, of doing all that research and argument for uh, the resurrection of Jesus, he was surprised by hope. <laughs> he was surprised by a message that he had heard many times, but um, just the reality of Jesus's resurrection brings uh, a new um, kind of realness to to uh, our everyday lives that should. And so it's just a good time to be reminded that 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 message is the center uh, of our faith and uh it, it'll be great in this kind of moment of darkness to to be able to point to that kind of ultimate hope and so i'm excited for uh pastors and churches in our community to get to hear that message uh this sunday yeah brett you want to give us a little bit of information of what's been going on in the in the tri-state area of churches kind of getting together yeah, we uh, everybody, we were going to keep trying to make this clear because as we talked before, plans change by the moment because everybody's responding to the different news that comes through. And so that's been the world. So a lot of this is running late. Uh, but first of all, on One Lifers Need to Know, we'll be online 9, 11, and 4 and 6 uh, this coming Sunday for everybody. But there are things that we're involved in and we're trying to encourage being involved in. And one of them, there is going to be a drive up uh, Easter service at Eastland Mall for residents of Evansville. I say residents of Evansville because the governor of Kentucky has told uh, people, please don't uh, travel, please don't go outside the state. So that's why we want to make sure we provide our normal services. But for those who want to, it's not that uh, we are going to support it. Uh, we're involved in it. We're getting behind it. Uh, that a number of different churches are gathering to host uh, this large uh, Easter service, our friends over at Crossroads, it is going to be their Easter service. Bethel's uh, and, uh, there. A number of other churches are involved with it. it you'll be able to sit in your car. There'll be a live uh, live preaching, live uh, uh, worship team, and you'll be able to listen in your car. And, and, and really, those who have done it at Bethel said it's just a great thing when you drive up. You can't roll down your window, but you can at least honk. You can wave. You can see people. So that's that's very important for those extroverts like Austin. So he should be around there a lot. And uh, Chandra will sit at home, watch the online thing. It's perfect. So this, it's, yeah. it's the perfect experience. And then also, and this was something Channel 14 asked a, a number of pastors to do. And it was easy to do because of Ross, because of already things that have been going on. We are They are going to broadcast uh, a pre-taped, 
uh, Easter service for one hour that is made up of a number of different churches as well. I'm on it. Um, Crossroads is on it, but uh, we've got a couple of uh, African-American churches. We've got uh, a Catholic church. We've got a number of different churches that are going to do different pieces of one full worship service that they're going to broadcast on the evening of Easter, uh, 8.30 and 9.30 p.m. And it was their idea. And they they just said, we want to do this. And we were able to plan and choose the content and everything. So uh, that's going to be something you don't want to miss uh, either, just to show that unity, that it's real. It's not just kind of people cobbling something together. We were talking to fr- we were talking among friends and making plans. So uh, all those options are there. I think you ought to do all of them myself. Uh, but uh, I, would, I would recommend that. But you can pick and choose. And again, uh, we just we uh, it is really neat that God set it up that all those things were happening already before the crisis arrived, and the crisis just brought it to the front. And I, when we're thinking about um, how we've been, and every church has been doing this, you know, doing online services of some sort, you know, figuring that out. You know, we've been pretty lucky that we have some experience in that, and and learning something every week um, for sure. But you know, I've, I really have enjoyed seeing people joining in or tuning into our services from, you know, all over the country um, and being able to say, hey, I'm from I'm here from Texas or I'm here mm-hmm. from Las Vegas or. Um, and so it really is unique that we're being able to be we, we've been using the hashtag one life anywhere because we believe that this can be happening anywhere. Um, it's yeah. not just online. It's anywhere you are at this moment. And so we're asking people to share, you know, you know, social media posts um, just with the hashtag one life anywhere. And it's been really neat. I've been watching those personally, trying to see how people are showing them. And, you know, some of them are with their kids, some of them are just families or some people just connecting through a video chat. But um, we really do have a lot of opportunities to continue building a great city locally um, and also nationally and globally. So there's a lot of cool opportunities coming up um, everywhere with Easter. So we're excited about that. Absolutely. Cool. Austin. Thanks for coming on, hanging out with us, testing out the software and, you know, just being our friend. (laughs) Well, it was great. uh, Yeah, it's just if I, you know, make a parting comment, it's, it's, yeah, well, you know, like the church is the church. It's the gathering of of disciples of Jesus. And so just if you're out there and you're alone and you uh, are not connecting to other people, um, just let someone know somehow. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, like you, there's people that will connect to you. Like all, all you shepherd people. It's funny. I've seen like, I've seen the the shepherds of the church really come alive during this moment. And, and it's good because they need to be the ones gathering people and nurturing people and doing all that kind of pastoral care and comforting to people. And uh, it's been, it's been a joy of mine to be able for, to stay connected to some of those that are more pastoral, uh, to, to, uh, cause I need that. I need, I need someone to remind me as I'm going out in the community and doing stuff all the time and trying to be more sent out that, that we, I need to turn backwards to the body and to my, to my group and to my friends that are and disciples of Jesus to, to, connect with them and to love them and and to be loved by them. And so if if you're kind of in isolation and feeling alone right now, remember that the church is, is, is us and we are the church and we're the people and we're, we need to uh, connect, keep connecting to one another. So to just encourage you to do that and find a way somehow to reach out if, if that's your reality. Amen. Good stuff. Yep. All right, we're going to pay you now. I'm just kidding. We're not really. We're just, <laughs> just on here for fun. Um, yeah, Brett, anything to add as we, we close out? 
No, I uh, not really. Stuff. Other than just uh, you know, pick an Easter option and uh, and and definitely, definitely go to the neededneighbor.org uh, page. I, I can't emphasize that enough because it really is just a great opportunity, and uh, the time is now to go for it. So please encourage you to do that. Yep, neededneighbor.org, and then um, also onelifechurch.org/slash/update has links to neededneighbor.org, an application to sign up, and all of our information about Easter and how you can join us online for service this weekend. So we'd love to uh, connect with you and meet you this weekend. And um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.